Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and her fellow Bolsheviks have finally released the draft text of the so-called Green New Deal. And it turns out that the Green New Deal actually is communism. Green is the new red. We will analyze the proposal line by line. I've got it right here. Then another prominent Democrat wears blackface. Is there, is there going to be any Democrat left in America who has not worn blackface? President Trump addresses the National Prayer Breakfast. And finally, the mailbag. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. I didn't think it was possible. I thought that I had been exaggerating about the Green New Deal. The Green New Deal is what Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in particular, but a lot of these incoming Democrats, these far left-wing Democrats have been focusing on. They want to make it a central campaign issue. And I've said, oh, it's just Bolshevism. Oh, it's communism. Oh, it's, but I, di- I didn't know until I saw it. I have read the draft legislation. I have read the frequently asked questions that they have released. We will go through it line by line. It is pure communism. We'll get to that in a second. But first, let's talk about Ali. Oh, Ali is really, really good. Your dog's health is as important as every other member of your family. And it starts with what you feed them. But do you know what is in your dog's food? Ollie puts dogs first with vet-formulated recipes and fully transparent ingredients to give your dog the healthiest food possible. Fresh meals for dogs with real ingredients that people can eat. People can eat this food. Uh, They beat out store-bought dog food 10 to 1 on the palatability scale. All natural ingredients, no preservatives sourced from U.S. family farms. Go to myolly.com, answer a few questions about your dog. They will customize recipes for your dog, ship pre-portioned meals so your pup gets the perfect portion every time. They've delivered 5 million meals and counting. Shipping is free. The reason this is important is according to the FDA, most dog food contains meat from the four Ds, diseased, dead, disabled and dying animals. That includes roadkill and euthanized dogs. Turn your dog into a cannibal. It doesn't have to be this way. We all care about our health, especially when it comes to what we eat, so why should it be any different when it comes to our pets? Ollie is listening our listeners 60% off your first box plus a free bag of treats at myolly.com slash try slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. This is the best deal they have available anywhere. Go to myolly.com slash try slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, 60% off plus a free bag of treats. My, O-L-L-I-E dot com slash try slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Check it out. It's very important. This is really, really important to remember this because once the Green New Deal goes into effect, the best we can hope for is to eat dog food. So, I mean, all of the other food is going to be gone. They're going to be bread lines. So hopefully, at least the dog food will be uh, consumable by humans. At least we'll be able to have it. The Green New Deal. The Green New Deal is so left-wing that even Nancy Pelosi is against it. This is how Nancy Pelosi, Democrat Speaker of the House, progressive hero, this is how she described it. She was asked, what do you think about the Green New Deal? She said, it will be one of several or maybe many suggestions that we receive. The Green Dream, or whatever they call it, nobody knows what it is, but they're for it, right? (coughs) Nancy, stop making me laugh. I'm sick. You're going to hurt my chest. Even Nancy Pelosi thinks that this thing is a pipe dream. I've read the draft legislation I've read the the frequently asked questions. The frequently asked questions part of this, which has been released by the Green New Deal people, it reads like a seventh grade homework assignment. Not just in the language, which is also not great, but in the idea. It's, It's as though you said, 
to seventh graders, hey, all right, kids, we're going to have an imaginative learning exercise. Dream up your perfect society. And then they all dream up with their little crayons writing backwards. They say, oh, and then everybody's going to do exactly what I want. And money is going to come from the sky. And lollipop, and it's the gumdrop candy mountain. I mean, this is what American communists and socialists have been talking about for a hundred years. And they actually reference that in uh, the legislation. Here is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez describing what the Green New Deal means. As you know, Congresswoman, one reason that people who are politically conservative are skeptical of efforts to combat climate change Mm -hmm. is that it sounds to them like it requires massive government intervention, Mm -hmm. which they just Mm -hmm. don't like. Are you prepared to put on the table that Yes, actually, they're right. What this requires is massive government intervention. It does. It does. Yeah, I have no problem saying that. She has no problem saying it's big government interference. She has no problem saying it's a massive government spending program. This is a difference. I mean, this is a a marked difference from the progressives, I guess, from the time of really FDR, though certainly from the time of Lyndon Johnson, but really, I guess, FDR even. When progressives and left-wingers want to spend a lot of your money, they usually pretend that they're not doing it. They'll say, no, no, it's not that big a deal. No, it's not. It'll be covered by this and that and this and that. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is saying, no, we are going to spend a ton of money. You remember, she launched her congressional career not by protesting Trump, but by protesting Nancy Pelosi, sitting in, in her office about the Green New Deal. And you're probably wondering, why is this woman who's a socialist, that's her main issue is socialism. Why is she focusing on environmentalism? Why, it's the Green New Deal, it's for environmental regulations. Why is it? The answer to that question explains why conservatives remain skeptical of global warming, why conservatives are skeptical of plans to combat global warming. This is, she's really exposed the environmentalist movement for what it is which is socialism by the back door. So let's take a look at some of the uh, draft legislation for the Green New Deal. Scope of the plan for the Green New Deal and the draft legislation. The plan for a Green New Deal shall be developed with the objective of reaching the following outcomes within the target window of 10 years from the start of execution of the plan. So they've got a 10-year plan. Chairman Mao had a five-year plan, or was it Stalin? I don't know. One of those two had a five-year plan. And uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has a 10-year plan. One, dramatically expand existing renewable power resources and deploy new production capacity with the goal of meeting 100% of national power demand through renewable resources. So what she's saying is no gas, no oil, no coal, None of that we're going to meet within 10 years. We're going to get rid of all of our sources of energy other than renewable. What is renewable? Is that the, the windmills that kill all those birds that produce approximately 0% of our national energy? Is that what she's talking about? Just to put this in perspective right now, how do we, th- I think the left, they're very confused on the specifics. They only learn broad trends. So they don't know actually how the numbers break down. Right now, natural gas constitutes 32% of our national energy, 32%. Coal constitutes 18% of our nation's energy supply. Liquid natural gas and oil, 28% of our energy supply. And then, this, for some reason, the Green New Deal even eliminates nuclear. Nuclear energy doesn't 
add CO2 to the environment. It doesn't create air pollution. So it's, it's extraordinarily efficient as a form of energy. But, but it's icky. It's, they don't like it because it's tied to, I don't know, the Cold War or something. They think of it as, so they want to get rid of nuclear too. Nuclear provides 10% of our energy. So how much of our, something like 87% or something of our, our national energy she's going to get rid of within 10 years. And somehow, you know, between 10 and 20% of our national energy, they're going, that's going to constitute 100% of our national en- energy supply within 10 years. How many jobs do you think that would destroy? If you took away, just even, obviously it would wreck our economy. We're talking about the energy that fuels our whole economy. But then even just looking at the people who work in those sectors, it would destroy 5.8 million jobs like that. It would destroy 5.8 million jobs by government fiat. The plan goes on. Uh, they would uh, upgrade every residential and industrial building for state-of-the-art energy efficiency, comfort, and safety. Did you upgrade every, not just industrial, every residential and industrial building? Every building in the United States would be ripped apart and then reconstructed as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez wants it to. Do you like your house? If you like your house, you can't keep your house. Beautiful old mansions, you know, the old buildings, all the wonderful old buildings in New York, San Francisco, ripped down. No more, none of that. It all has to be redone according to the central plan devised in 2019 by this ridiculous, empty-headed Bolshevik who pretends that she grew up in the Bronx. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I have to get that in there because even, even the parts of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's political platform that are sort of endearing, you know, she's young, she's bubbly, her upbringing, even that largely is, is a, a, a farce. The Green New Deal goes on. Eliminating greenhouse gas emissions from repairing and improving transportation and other infrastructure. Okay, now you might have gotten a little lost in there. They're going to eliminate greenhouse gas emissions from transportation. Well, that doesn't just mean trains. That doesn't, that means airplanes. That means your own car. So within 10 years, your automobile is outlawed. Air travel, outlawed, unless they come up with some new magic airplane that flies on dreams and gumdrops and hope. Air travel outlawed. Uh, cars that burn gas outlawed. So I guess it would allow for electric cars, but also uh, you have to ask yourself, where do you think electricity comes from? Does it, do you think it comes from magic? Do you think it just comes from the air? No, it comes from burning coal and a lot of other, so the, even the, the idea that we'll just fuel it on electricity is absurd. Where are you going to get the electricity? Where on earth does, and then there's a further irony, which is that all of these electric or hybrid cars, Tesla, Prius, are terrible for the environment. Because in building those batteries, it creates far more environmental destruction than burning fossil fuels. Unless you keep your Prius for, you know, 20 some odd years or something, which I don't know if you've ever been around those cars. They don't last that long and they're very, very expensive to maintain. Okay. Part B. 
We're, we're not even on part B yet. We're all, we've already destroyed the American economy. We've already killed off almost 6 million jobs. We've already ruined your house. You don't get your house anymore. We've already taken away your car. We're not on part B. We'll get to part B in a second, but first, let's make a little money, honey, with Purple Mattress. This is where you can have nice dreams, not nightmares like our current prospective public policy, but you have really nice dreams on Purple Mattress. You know that I'm a proselytizer for Purple Mattress. I love it so much. It has saved my marriage. I, you know, I've, I believe I have the flu. I got it like a couple days ago. I really came down with all the symptoms. And I, I got to tell you, I credit getting a little bit better with my purple mattress because I lie down in my purple mattress. I'm asleep instantly. It is not a memory foam. It's not a, a an inner spring. It's, it's sort of this new technology, which on top of the a couple layers of memory foam, it has this thing developed by a rocket scientist. It's it's both firm and soft at the same time. How is that possible? I, you just have to try it. It, uh, it the mattress is uh, it sleeps cool, but you're not, you know you can obviously you control your temperature. It's just really really nice. A hundred night risk free trial. If you're not fully satisfied, you can return your mattress for a full refund, backed by ten year warranty, free shipping, and returns. You're gonna love Purple. Right now, my listeners will get a free Purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That's in addition to the great free gifts they're offering site wide. Text COVFEFE, C-O-V-F-E-F-E, to 474747. This is the only way to get this free pillow. C-O-V-F-E-F-E to 474747. Message and data rates will apply. Maybe they'll apply. I don't know. You know your cell phone better than I do. Part B of the Green New Deal. The plan for a Green New Deal and the draft legislation shall recognize that a national, industrial, economic mobilization of this scope and scale is an historic opportunity to virtually eliminate poverty in the United States and to make prosperity, wealth, and economic security available to everyone participating in this transformation. This reads like the Bill of Rights of some banana republic, some tin pot dictatorship, some ridiculous utopian scheme dreamed up either by a Latin American dictator or by a freshman in college after like four too many hits on the bong. That's what that reads. What has happened just in the course of history, even the course of American history? When we have tried to eliminate poverty, how has that worked out? Has that, people have tried it since the dawn of time. How, has that ever worked? No. To quote Ronald Reagan, we fought a war on poverty and poverty won. <laughs> the poor will always be with us, as a, as a wise man said. So that's, that, this, when you look down into even just part B, you say, okay, we're, we've been talking about energy, crazy plans to, for renewable energy and the environment, but okay, but now, what, what does this have to do with the environment? We're going to eliminate poverty? We're going to make prosperity, wealth, and economic security available to everyone in this transformation? Now you get to what they're really after, which is that this Green New Deal is just a facade for socialism. All that green, that green is just a little a little patina on top of the real color, which is red. It is socialism. And actually, this plan goes all the way to communism. Number one, provide all members of our society across all regions and all communities the opportunity, training, and education to be a full participant in the transition, including through a job guarantee program to assure a living wage to every person who wants one. A job guarantee program. Okay, now this is a little tricky. Who doesn't want a job? 
bums, I guess, don't want jobs, or the retired don't want a job, or kids, little kids don't want jobs. The job guarantee program is the great example of a government that is big enough to give you everything you want being big enough to take away everything that you have. Because part of the job guarantee program, this has been touted in a lot of different places by proponents of the Green New Deal, is that it does away with the need to have an unemployment insurance. You've got a job guarantee. The government is the backstop for employment. If you go to the Green Party's website, they have the the more fully fleshed out version of the Green New Deal. They lay this out explicitly. That, That line is only implicit in this legislation, though it is implicit. But why would you have unemployment insurance when the government is your your final backstop? Okay, maybe that sounds good, but then what does that mean? It means that the government, just from part one of the legislation, the government is going to go in and take jobs away from almost six million Americans. And then they're going to take away their unemployment insurance too. So what are they going to do? They're going to force those people to take the job that the government wants them to take. Guaranteed job. Oh, does, isn't that great? Hey, God, we're going to guarantee you a job. You know who else guarantees a job? China guarantees jobs for people. You know who else guarantees jobs? The Soviet Union guaranteed you had the right to a job. Actually, not just the right. You, ha- you needed to have the job. You needed to have the job that the government gave you. And, and it's really not a great idea if you don't take that job. You better do a good job, too. You better make your boss happy. Oh, your boss can be pretty mean when, when uh, you don't do a good job. And who's your boss here? The most powerful force ever devised. The most powerful political force on the face of the earth. Okay. Part two. Diversify local and regional communities with a particular focus on communities where the fossil fuel industry holds significant control over the labor market. Diversify local and regional economies? What does that mean? It could mean one of two things. You either diversify it by the people or you diversify it by the industry. So in one case, you're moving people, you're forcibly moving people around to different regions, different places. This obviously has happened in every command and control economy in the world, in all of history. Or you are diversifying the industries that are there. So you have a command and control economy that is saying, nope, I don't want there to be this industry in Detroit. I'm going to take that out. I'm going to replace it with this. Because I, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, know much better how to run industry than the people who run those industries and work in those industries and have family in different places and have different economic incentives to move different places. I, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I studied economics at Boston University. And then I said, I'm not the, the expert. I studied international relations, but I'm not the expert. I, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I was a bartender for like a year or something. And according to voter records, lived with my parents until a few, couple years ago. I know much better how to run every single industry in the United States than the people who run those industries. Okay, we're still in part two. This is section four of part two. Ensure a just transition for all workers, low-income communities, communities of color, indigenous communities, rural and urban communities, and the frontline communities most affected by climate change. What? What does any of that mean? First of all, first of all, just notice what they do here. They say just transition for all workers. So that could be the end of it, right? Because you've already got a guaranteed job, so everybody's a worker. It's the workers of America unite. Ensure a just transition for all workers. 
And then it names all of these specific victim groups, so-called victim groups, intersectionality groups, low-income, communities of color, indigenous communities. Are, are the indigenous communities not communities of color? And what's a community of color? I don't, rural and urban communities. What other, what other communities are there? There's rural and there's urban, a suburban, exurban, I don't know. And what is a just transition? We're now trusting Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to give us a new definition of justice. And a transition, listen to that language, that presumptuous language. We're going to transition. We're not just going to transition from one trade deal with Mexico to another. We're not just going to transition from one sort of uh, security pact with a country to another. No, no. We're going to transition everything. Your house, your car, your job, your energy, where you live, where you can live, where you can work, what sort of job you... We're transitioning, but don't worry. We, the people who are, who are just saying right now that we're going to take away everything you have, every material thing that you have, we are going to make sure that it's really just. We clearly have a good idea of justice, don't we? Don't we? Another timely sponsor, we have got to thank Lending Club. If you're carrying revolving debt, that means you are not paying off your credit card every month. You could be paying thousands in interest every year that you don't have to. Don't do this. People get stuck on these high interest credit cards. You could deal with this in a much more efficient way. Lending Club will help you consolidate your debt or pay off credit cards with one fixed monthly payment. Since 2007, Lending Club has helped millions of people regain control of their finances with affordable fixed rate personal loans. No trips to a bank, no high interest credit cards. Just go to LendingClub.com, tell them about yourself and how much you want to borrow. Just pick the terms that are right for you and if you're approved, your loan is automatically deposited into your bank account in as little as a few days. Don't be foolish and let your money, you know, run away from you with high interest uh, credit cards. Do it right now. Lending Club is the number one peer-to-peer -peer lending platform with over $35 billion in loans issued. Go to LendingClub.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Check your rate in minutes. Borrow up to 40 grand. That's LendingClub.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. LendingClub.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. All loans made by WebBank. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender. We get into section number five here. Protect and enforce sovereign rights and land rights of tribal nations. What, what does this have to do with protecting the environment? Sovereign tribal nations, yeah, tribal nations have reservations. They're terrible places. Those people should all come to America. They would do much better. They would have a much better life. But they do exist. Reservations do exist. They're very, very sad places. And I, I guess the Green New Deal is going to continue to allow Native American reservations. Okay, cool, whatever. Mitigate deeply entrenched racial, regional, and gender-based inequalities in income and wealth, including, without limitation, ensuring that federal and other investment will be equally distributed to historically impoverished, low-income, deindustrialized, or other marginalized communities in such a way that builds wealth and ownership at the community level. So this just means redistributing all of the wealth held by anybody in this country for any reason whatsoever that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez sees fit. What this has to do with protecting the environment, we have no idea. 
mitigate deeply entrenched racial gender, blah, 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 blah. Not even just income. It's not even just raising taxes. It's actual wealth confiscation that is being listed in this draft legislation. Take money from anybody we want for any reason, your race, your sex. They could say, okay, uh, yeah, Asians have too much money. All Asian people need to give away 25% of their wealth. And we're going to redistribute it, which really just keep it for the government. But we're going to redistribute it to, I don't know, black people or Hispanic people or whatever. Because, because oh, the Asians, they have too much money. The white people have too much money. Never mind, of course, that there is, n- never mind that there is huge uh, variation in the wealth among different races. Do we, if we're talking about the marginalized, historically oppressed communities, we're going to redistribute money to black people, say. That seems to be the implication. Do Beyonce and Jay-Z, they get a check from me because of historical discrimination? That's what this says. I'm going to have to, me, Michael Knowles, I'm going to have to cut a check to Beyonce Knowles, who has, I don't know, her combined wealth with Jay-Z is what, a billion dollars? I'm going to have to cut a check. For not just my income, for my wealth, because of historical discrimination. Green New Deal, that'll protect the environment somehow. Uh, there will be additional measures, including basic income programs, universal health care programs, and any others as the select committee may seem appropriate, may deem appropriate. So now, just universal health care alone. They're saying we're going to allow the possibility of universal health care, red socialist medicine, as the committee deems appropriate, not as the legislature deems appropriate, not as the various states deem appropriate. No, no, no. This power to govern your life and death, this power to govern what doctor you go to see, what medical insurance you're allowed to have. There won't be any more medical insurance. The government will control it all. You don't even get to make the decision as to whether or not that happens. One-sixth of the American economy, the healthcare system, will be totally destroyed and demolished by some committee that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez sets up. Dictator Ocasio-Cortez. She Guevara. And then, this is my favorite part. The majority of financing of the plan shall be accomplished by the federal government using a combination of the Federal Reserve and new public bank or system of regional and specialized public banks, public venture funds, and such other vehicles or structures that the select committee deems appropriate. And if you were confused by that, you can check in right now on the, uh, on the facts, the FAQs here. They say, how are they going to pay for this program? The, so the level of investment required is massive. Even if every billionaire and company came together and were willing to pour all their resources at their disposal, the aggregate value of the investments could not be sufficient. And the speed would be massive. So they're actually saying, no, we're not just going to tax the rich. We're going to take away wealth from everybody. Or, or maybe they won't. Maybe they won't take away the wealth from everybody. The way that they're going to do it is the same way that we funded the Second World War. It's the same way that we funded quantitative easing, the bank bailout. Quantitative easing is the key here. The way that they're going to do it is by printing money. That's what she says. When she's talking about the Federal Reserve and then we're going to work with them, extend, we're just going to print money because it's going to cost $40 trillion. So we're just going to print money. And then, truly, we are not caricaturing this legend. We've gone through it line by line. 
her plan for how to pay for it, she hasn't come up with a better answer than I don't know, is we're going to invent money. We're going to print it out of the sky. And by the way, just before we go to the sub break, I have got to point out, she says here, the Green Deal has great momentum. 92% of Democrats and 64% of Republicans support the Green New Deal. That isn't true. This, she got that statistic from the Yale's Program for Climate Change Communication study, which it's true. Those numbers are true from that study. The trouble with that study is that I, I think the number is 82% of people, yes, 82% of respondents to that study had never heard of the Green New Deal before they asked the question. So the way they asked the question is this. They said, quote, some members of Congress are proposing a Green New Deal. They say the Green New Deal will produce jobs and strengthen America's economy by accelerating the transition from fossil fuels. The deal would generate 100% of the nation's electricity from clean renewable resources within the next 10 years. On and on and on. So basically the question is, hey, do you support this really, really great legislation? And then a lot of people say yes. That, of course, is not at all what the Green New Deal is. You just read what it is. And the people who were asked had never heard of it. It is a total lie through and through, and it's a lie to take away every single thing you have, your car, your job, your money, your house, your control over your own government. It is communism through and through. That's all it is. And this is being pushed by the superstar of the Democrat Party. Speaking of the Democrat Party, in just one second, we'll show you Joy Behar in blackface because, you know, why not? Uh, but first, we've got to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. Make sure you come back for the mailbag because that's coming up right after this. Ten bucks a month, $100 for an annual membership. You get me. You get the Andrew Clavin Show. You get the Ben Shapiro Show. You get to ask questions in the mailbag. You get the Matt Wall Show. You get to ask questions backstage. You get another kingdom. You get all of that. You get the Leftist Tears Tumblr. The Leftist Tears Tumblr is very important. You're going to have to keep this and save all of your leftist tears because once they push through the Green New Deal and we're all starving, the only thing that you will be able to sustain yourself on are the leftist tears from how great our politics is at the moment. It could all turn to trash if these people ever get power, but for right now it's really good. So store up your leftist tears for tomorrow, for a rainy day, or for a dry day, I guess, and come on back in one second. We'll be right back with the mailbag. Now, I'm sorry, I want to get to the mailbag as soon as possible, but I just can't do it without showing you Joy Behar in blackface. In the New York Times, they had an op-ed piece in praise of naturally curly hair. They say that it's making a comeback. When did you leave? I've always had curly <laughs> hair. That's a feminist late. statement. <laughs> huh? Why do you mean <laughs> No, I, I, is that you, Joy? Oh, you know, this picture. Oh, I Joy, was, is that you? Yes. Joy, that is oh, you? Yes. Joy, are you Wait. black? No, I know. <laughs> I Joy. was Joy. I was so cute. Uh, 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 Joy. How cute I was. We are you my auntie Joy? No. <laughs> that oh, is me. My word. What what year is a circle? I what? was twenty nine. It was a Halloween party. I went as a beautiful African woman. Oh yes, you ain't black. But that's my hair. <laughs> You can be, yeah, but yeah. So, uh, so the whole point of why that curly hair coming back? I thought that was, I thought. That is me. Did you have tanning lotion on, Joe? A little, I had makeup that was a little bit darker uh, than my skin. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> but I, that's my actual hair. I love it, though. Megyn Kelly was kicked off of NBC News for asking the question as to whether or not it's maybe acceptable to 
wear a Diana Ross costume because you really admire the singer and to dress up basically exactly like Joy Behar did there. She was immediately removed from NBC News, dragged throughout the press. Joy Behar still gets to be on The View. Ralph Northam, Democrat governor of Indiana, he's still the governor. Wore blackface. Also, defends infanticide. He's still the governor. AG of Virginia also wore blackface in the 80s. He's still the AG of Virginia because being a Democrat means never having to say that you're sorry. Now, look, do I care about people wearing uh, racially or ethnically or culturally tinged costumes? Well, it depends on the circumstances. Clear, obviously, it depends on the circumstances. On that show, you know, they're talking about this. You've got different races of uh, cackling hens on the show. No, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. Okay, different races of women on the show talking about it. Nobody seems to really be offended by it. Uh, the circum- they let Joy off the hook for it. Okay, All right, whatever, that's fine. But now we have this knee-jerk reaction. We have a knee-jerk one rule for everything. You can't wear a sombrero. You can't even eat a taco bowl if you are a white person. Okay, Well, if we're going to have one rule for everybody, how come the Democrats always get to break the rule? Basically, every single prominent Democrat in the country within the last week has admitted or is about to admit that they wore blackface in the 1980s. If it were Republicans, they would probably be being tortured at Guantanamo Bay right now. But Democrats, they get away with it. I'm not a fan of universal one rule fits all cultural rules based on faddish moral trends. I'm not for that. I prefer a little grace. I prefer a little forgiveness too. But if we're going to have it, I think we have to hold Democrats to the same standards. Let's get to the mailbag from, I need my glasses for the mailbag. I need to, ooh, now I'm culturally appropriating Rachel Maddow again. From Dylan. Why do people on the left crave illegal immigration from Central and South America in which most people are religious Christians? yet they think Christians are backwards. What you're asking is the question of intersectionality. How is it that uh, devout, even extreme Muslims and uh, gay rights activists can both unite together in the intersectionality pyramid of oppression to oppose Big Daddy America or something when In many Muslim countries, you see people throwing gay people off of roofs. Homosexuality is illegal. How how is that? How does that jive? It's because it has nothing to do with reality itself. It has nothing to do with truth itself. It has nothing to do with the beliefs of these people. It has nothing even to do with the actions of these people. All it has to do with is perceived oppression. All it has to do actually is with opposition to the perceived oppressor. And the perceived oppressor is the Western tradition. That's it. The perceived oppressor. So the greatest uh, embodiment of that today is the United States of America. And I think where they get their racism from is they picture like an old white guy as the face of America. If you look around America today, I, I don't think that's really fair to say, but that's what, the, that's what they see. So they always go after the image of the perceived oppressor as the representative of the Western tradition. And if that means importing a bunch of devout Christians into America, they'll do it because they don't, they don't care exactly about those contradictions. They just want to attack their perceived oppressor. From Amanda, 
Dear Mr. Knowles, in a nutshell, what is the difference between Catholicism and Christian orthodoxy? Can you play devil's advocate and explain why orthodoxy is better? Kind regards Derek and Amanda. Catholicism is Christian orthodoxy. I think what you're referring to is Eastern orthodoxy, and you're asking me to be the devil's advocate by defending it. No, that's not fair. I, I view the West and the East as the two lungs of Christianity. There uh, are some theological differences. One that gets a lot of play is the filioque. Uh, the Nicene Creed reads that the, the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. The uh, Holy Spirit is the bond of love between the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. Christ will send the, this advocate to you. And the Eastern Orthodox Church, as I understand it, uh, believes that the Holy Spirit proceeds only from the Father. And this has a lot of other theological implications. There are uh, relatively minor theological differences between the West and the East. Uh, now, I am Catholic because I believe in the institution of the Catholic Church. I believe it's divinely instituted by Christ. I believe in the line of succession from Peter, who he appoints to be his rock and on which he builds his church. And uh, so I believe that the Catholic Church is the Catholic Church, and I think the evidence clearly shows that. However, the Eastern Orthodox Church has a lot going for it. Liturgically speaking, almost in all places today, in the United States at least, the Eastern Orthodox Church has a much finer liturgy, a much more beautiful liturgy. They sing the whole liturgy. The liturgy is supposed to be sung. It's much more liturgically serious. It's a, a real serious event of worshiping God. You know, in the traditional Latin Mass, that's a very serious liturgy as well. Today now, we have the priests facing the people, oftentimes putting on what looks to be a dying vaudeville show. And they're just there, often giving soft soap to people. Uh, what one theologian described as the, the homiletic saying, well, I might suggest that you try to be a nice person. <laughs> you know, there's not a whole lot of serious uh, worship. And, uh, you know, when the priest faces away from the rest of the parish, he is leading you in prayer, and you are all worshiping God together. When he turns around, it, it makes it a little bit more of a show, a little bit more of a performance. When the liturgy is not sung, it allows for much more personality, and it'll, it turns the priest oftentimes into a two-bit actor at the very worst. So I really, really admire the Eastern Orthodox liturgy, I still think that the Catholic Church is the church, uh, but uh, I, I pray for the reunion of the East and West because uh, it would be nicer to see a full union of the two lungs of Christianity. From Austin, hey Michael, I live in an area with a lot of homeless people. What do you think should be done in cities with, that struggle with large homeless populations? Should it be something that the government helps with? Thanks. Bulldozers are one answer. And I, I mean that, I'm only half kidding. We have to at least bulldoze the tent cities. They're horrific. They're a, a disgrace. They're illegal, usually. They are a hazard to both the people living around the tent cities and to the people living in them themselves. Uh, there are a lot of drugs. There's a lot of rape. There's a lot of crime. There's nothing compassionate about people living on the streets. Living on the streets is a dysfunctional act that harms the individual and that harms society. Uh, there are homeless shelters. There are a lot of homeless shelters in a lot of places. Some are privately run and some have been built by the government. Uh, that's good. If you need more of them, maybe build some more of them. That's fine. Uh, but very often homeless people don't want to go to those shelters because they're not allowed to do drugs there. They're not allowed to do whatever they want there. They're not allowed to panhandle and make a bunch of money there. 
uh, okay, if they're not willing to go to those shelters, then they need to be arrested and put in prison. And that's the choice. Uh, Mayor Giuliani did a wonderful job in New York cleaning up that city, and he did it by not tolerating people living on the street. And everybody was better off because of it. The people who were homeless or formerly homeless, often who have mental problems or drug addictions or whatever, some of whom are just selfish bums, all of them were helped by not letting them live on the street. And obviously the city was improved. The economy was improved. Businesses were more likely to come back there. Kids were safer. Families were safer. It was just a much better place to live. From Arun. Dear Dr. Kofefe, which sport is more American, baseball or football? Baseball, much more American. America's national pastime. Uh, it's a much more sophisticated sport. It's a much more civilized sport. Uh, it's just a better sport all around. From Brendan, oh Catholic one. My friends and I were discussing same-sex marriage. I said that I believed marriage required sexual difference due to the ability to procreate. They said that to follow that logic then, men or women physically unable to have children would not be able to marry. I'm stumped. How do you respond to that? Thank you, Brendan. Well, it does, marriage requires sexual difference, but not exclusively because of procreation. Uh, there are a lot of other reasons why sexual difference matters. Men and women are different. They complement each other in more ways than just the physical. Women tend to be more nurturing. Uh, they tend to have a more greater emotional sensitivity. Men tend to have a greater ability to compartmentalize. There is obviously a psychological and spiritual uh, complementarity there as well. Plenty of famous couples in history have had trouble having children. Uh, Abraham and Sarah, a pretty good example of it, I think. Um, but a lot of others as well. The ability to procreate is is not the condition for marriage. Although one, uh, in, certainly in the Catholic Church, uh, two people cannot be married if one of them is impotent, if they can't have sex. Sex is important to marriage. And uh, if, if it's not possible for you to have sex, then that is not a marriage. Um, but of course, sex that does not occur between a man and a woman is by definition impotent. It isn't, it, it doesn't bear any even logical possibility to uh, produce life. So here's an answer for you. From Benjamin, dear master of the inkless pen, as a Christian I struggle with what my posture toward abortion doctors and those that have had or encouraged someone to have an abortion should be. To me they seem no different than hitmen and those who have put a hit out on someone. Is there a difference, Ben? Well, there's a difference in so much as perhaps they don't understand the gravity of what they're doing. Plenty of times we do things and we don't understand the gravity of what we're doing. Whereas for the hitman, it's a little harder to misunderstand the gravity of what they're doing. That said, I know people who have murdered people. I'm friends with people who have murdered people and turned their life, life around. I guess if you live in New York, there's a good chance, you know, no, that's a stereotype. Uh, so I think the way that you approach these people is with patience and grace. That's always what we do. Firmness in the truth, but patience and grace uh, to bring them over to your side of thinking. From Jonathan, dear master of trollery, destruction of the libs, destructor of the libs, I am avidly pro-life. However, I have conflicting ideas when it comes to rape or if the mother's life is in legitimate risk. What do you think should be acceptable? Thanks. Came for Shapiro, Clavin, and Knowles. Stayed for Shapiro, Clavin, and Knowles, but also listened to Walsh. <laughs> um, yes, this is the great... Would you allow for abortion in the case of rape or a threat to the life of the mother? I'll give you my 
philosophic answer first and then my practical answer next. Uh, it's a baby regardless of how it was conceived, whether it was conceived in a way that created a risk to the life of the mother or whether it was conceived through rape. It's still a baby. And so killing it is still killing it. It's still ending an innocent human life. Now, as for the life of the mother, this is greatly exaggerated. There is, as far as I know, no medical condition that requires directly abortion. Some treatments of medical conditions would, as a side effect, kill the baby. That seems to me morally licit. You're not intending to kill the baby. You are treating a medical condition that, frankly, could kill the, the mother and the baby together. As a result, you put the life of the baby at risk. Okay, that's possible. Now, as a practical matter, the left always exaggerates this. They say, well, what about rape, incest, and life of the mother? Uh, okay. Rape, incest, and life of the mother uh, cause f- less than 1% of all abortions. So if you put a bill forward and you said, we're going to make abortions illegal, except in cases of rape, incest, and life of the mother, and I could today end over 99% of abortions in America, of course I would sign that bill. I would sign it in two seconds, in a New York minute. Then we can, once we're past that part of, of abortion on demand, abortion for any reason at all, abortion because you don't want your baby to have a disability, abortion because you don't want to ra- ra- rather raise a kid with a disability, abortion an hour after giving birth, like Ralph Northam suggests. Once we get part, past that part of moral idiocy, then we can talk about uh, the, the question that you've raised about rape, incest, and life of the mother. But uh, from, as a practical matter, call their bluff, the left, on this ridiculous point. End 99% of abortions, gladly. Okay, we have a lot more to get to, but we're out of time. So, in the meantime, I will see you on Monday. Hopefully that I'll be sounding better and feeling better by then. But in the meantime, I hope you also don't get the flu. And uh, have a good weekend, and I'll see you on Monday. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Danny D'Amico. Audio is mixed by Dylan Case. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. Production assistant, Nick Sheehan. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. Hey guys, over on the Matt Wall Show today, uh, the Virginia Democrat Party is completely self-destructing right before our eyes. So we'll look at the latest in this whole saga. But I also want to take a step back and remember how and why and when this all started. Because it seems to me that what we're looking at with the Democrat Party in Virginia is an example of cosmic justice. So we'll talk about that. Also, Panera Bread's experiment with socialism has failed abysmally. And finally, CBS has a report fretting about climate change. But there are a couple problems with with the latest report on climate change. And I'm going to look at that today over on The Matt Wall Show.